Super Sunday night here in Las Vegas. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 13.40 AM. Tim Unglesby and my co-host, as always, the, the band is back together here on a Super Sunday night. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, do I have you? Mateo's going to find Tommy for me, and we'll, we'll get uh, the show on the road. Big two-hour edition, as it is. There you are. Check. There you are, my friend. Okay. We are live. And, all right. I was uh, just letting everybody know, We, of course, every Saturday and Sunday night, two hours of the best sports talk around, not only locally, Tom, but I think we can hang with some, some national shows for sure. So we're going to a heavily loaded baseball show tonight, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But again, last night, special thanks to our, our friend Jose V for, for sitting in and, and joining you on the show last night. You had a lot of good topics Tommy I kind of wanted to bring up a couple just to to you know maybe maybe somebody wasn't listening last night they were out doing something else and they, they tune in Sunday nights what? for the big show what? so people have live outside of this show get out of here I know it's hard to believe but occasionally it happens but I, 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 your your wife should be secondary your job quit it <laughs> if it if it interferes this show is number 1 come on now I wonder how many people actually disappear they got to go to the store for a late night um you know pick up something from the grocery store just to tune in on 98.9 fm tommy yeah it's funny because i do hear it actually <laughs> you know it's funny that we say that and i do have uh, friends that'll tell me um you know oh, i gotta you know I'll, I'll be sleeping or i'm my wife's going to sleep and i'll jump jump down to the den or jump down to the basement and try to catch you guys because <laughs> out here you know east coast it's pretty late night and um i, I do hear that though <laughs> I will say this, and, you know, granted, a lot of it has to do with it. we've been going strong well over 10 years now together, and we've built up a nice little fan base. I, you know, I my head just could explode if I imagined if we had a, a bigger platform to really do the show, but you do shows in other cities, and you even have their, the host there telling you that they listen to our show from time to time. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I just did a uh, guest spot in San Francisco, a great uh, station out there, 95.7, the game. And, um, uh, you know, I know for a fact that he mentioned it on the air. He mentioned it off the air. Um, you know, Las Vegas, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yeah, Tom Barton's been doing it for, uh, you know, over a decade. I said, yeah, I think we're closing in now on like 12 years. So um, it is uh, – it's quite interesting that, uh, you know, people around the country are definitely still listening in. And look, at the end of the day, you know, it's not a matter of touting us and, and – tapping ourselves on the back and doing the old Barry Horowitz here. We are a successful show, Tim, because we're just having a conversation and we're having a conversation, uh, you know, about sports, about sports betting, about Las Vegas. Uh, and, and we're speaking our mind. And I think, you know, the biggest compliment that I ever got uh, was from a friend of ours, Rob. And, and basically, you know, he just said, you could tell the sincerity or I'm paraphrasing Rob, who speaks so much more eloquently, <laughs> you know, the, the writer that he is. And basically he said, you know, you can tell the sincerity coming from you and Tim. And, and that really is, uh, 
is the best thing that I think a compliment that you could give to the show is that we are sincere. We're not doing things for clicks. We're not doing things for ratings. We're not yelling and screaming when we're actually not upset. We're, we're not doing things for show. This is who we are. This is what I would be telling you if you're sitting next to me. Uh, this is who we have been for more than a decade. Yep. 100% agree. And Tommy, with the old WWF reference to Barry Horowitz, who, if, if you don't know who he is, this, this was great. That was a good one, Tommy. I have to give you that. YouTube Barry Horowitz, when they introduced the guy, he pats himself over the shoulder. It's hilarious. He never won a match, though, right, Tommy? He'd get his No, intro. never won a match, but he had the most confidence of anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he pure, pure confidence. From yeah. Barry Horowitz and people going, who is Barry Har- Horowitz? The most confident guy you'll ever see. Most confident guy you ever see that never won. But yeah, that's okay. zero success. Just yeah. massive confidence. Yeah. You too, Barry Horowitz. Check that out. So, since you brought up Rob Mish, and he's out here with me in Vegas, Tom, I, I mean... And it's Mish like fish, and I was calling him Mish for about 15 years, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he, his, his, the way he describes it is like the University of Michigan. There you go. Right? Ah, okay, okay. I, I, I just say it like fish. <laughs> well, th- let's talk about it. Uh, I was going to call you today. I got a little sidetracked doing some home stuff and watching baseball. But look, Tommy, I know you have the ca- the, the countdown going. Do, do we have an actual number days until opening kickoff in the NFL? Do you know it? Uh, yeah, uh, I could actually give you not only days – I, I could give you way better than that, Tim. You think I'm just going to give you days? No, no. Hold on. It, it Here, let me give you 44 days, 22 hours, 53 minutes, and 46 seconds. Thank you to uh, the website. I'll give credit to it. I got nothing to do with it. I just love it. How many days until dot center? <laughs> and then you put in whatever it wants. And you can put in whatever you want. You could do NFL season. You could put your favorite team. You could put baseball, next baseball season. But NFL kickoff 2022, uh, 44 days, 22 hours, 53 minutes, and now 22 seconds. To the exact second. There you go. So so that, that brings up the point. Tom, are, are you coming to Vegas to see all your friends, man? Here's the cool thing. I am coming to Vegas not only opening day, Tim, but I'm also going to be out there a month later because my wife actually has a convention. And uh, so I'll be out there one month later on the October 8th and 9th as well. So I'll be up there twice in a four-week period, Tim. I think that that makes up for the the years of uh, neglect that you've put on us out here in Vegas, Tom. Yeah, yeah, it's all my fault. I get it. Well, (laughs) you know, it's beautiful now because – you know, you don't have the idiotic rules that we're not going to Canada, so you don't have to be vaccinated. You know, you don't have the suffocating on a plane with a, a mask on anymore. You, you don't have any of the travel restrictions. So that's all out the window. But personally, my wife now actually has a job where she works from home. So it's really fantastic. And the kids are getting older. You know, it was hard when I was the only one watching them and I was at home all the time. And then to ask somebody else, hey, for three, four days, can you watch them? But my daughter starts full-time uh, in September. So she's five. She's going to be five years old one month from today. She'll be five five years old. And, um, you know, she'll, she'll start going to school. She leaves for school at 9 o'clock in the morning, doesn't get home until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. My son leaves for school, you know, 8.30 in the morning. He doesn't get home until 3.30. So, yeah, now kids are off to school. Now it's all of a sudden, wait a minute, 
Yeah, asking asking somebody to watch them for a little while, or now my wife to watch them for a little while, not much of a difference, um, not much of a big imposition as it was, oh, by the way, can you watch this baby for four days <laughs> you know, while I go to Vegas? So is the plan to come in for the Thursday action, or are you coming in after that game? You know, I, honestly, I always try to come in on that Wednesday night and leave on Tuesday so I could do the Monday night football, you know? Um that's always what I try to do. It just doesn't look like that's going to be the case this time, Tim. I don't. I can't. I just can't find the flights to get out there on that Wednesday night. It's just not even Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, um, I'm not a penny pincher, but there's a difference between flying for two hundred or three hundred dollars round trip and like a thousand dollars round trip, and that's kind of unfortunately what I'm looking at. So what I want, what I have to decide. I want to see Bills Rams. You know, I'm a big Josh Allen fan. I'm a huge, you know, backer of him. I love to watch that. It's going to be a great game. Is it worth it to stay for Seahawks Broncos? You know, because maybe I'll just leave Monday and then I can work it out. But I'm having a real hard time finding the flights. I'll get that arranged in the next week or so. I don't know if this helps you out any, but I'm working out of town Wednesday, Thursday, so I'm hopping back into Vegas that Friday. I'm going to miss the Thursday game anyways, so you're on your own for a day out here. That, that helps out a lot. That helps out a lot, actually. Although, you know, being left alone in Las Vegas, I could I could find plenty of Palomino <laughs> trouble, I think. Um, probably, There's enough other I, friends out here to help you out, man. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I Like I said, I, I have to go um, find Dave Sherapin. We're going to have a, you know, a dinner. I owe him a dinner. I owe Rob a dinner. You know, I, I owe quite a few people a dinner. So maybe I'll be, maybe I'll stay less days because I owe about <laughs> 10 people dinners. Yeah. If it were me, I would, I would come for the Thursday and leave Monday. I, you know, as much as I like to think that the Russell against his old teams is going to be the storyline there, that's probably all the storyline is going to be in that game. I like Denver already. Well, well, the whole thing for me is, you know, are my clients going to need me that Monday? So I have to kind of look at the the game and I have to say, okay, do I like a line on that game? Do I want to be in the air and miss the live betting for the potential first Monday night game? Mm -hmm. Um, These are all kind of factors I got to kind of decide. If I can get out of, if I can get a Monday early flight out, I'll take that all day, but you you never see Monday early flights. That's the problem. At HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. That's where you can find us, 876-1340. If you still have a phone and wish to talk to us via that route, we can do that as well, Tom. And since we're talking NFL and we're finalizing the plans, you and Jose last night did bring up the uh, Kyler Murray situation. I know you and I had talked about it during the week as he – receives a massive extension by the Arizona Cardinals to the tune of $230 million, five-year deal. And it's not so much about Kyler. It's it's something that you and I have talked about, not only off-air, but uh, at least two or three times in the past, I'd say, two months. And that's what's going to come down the line here with when Deshaun and the idiot Cleveland Browns basically reset the record book by – giving him $230 million. We knew that there would be some type of a, a – it's not even a trickle-down. It's a trickle-up effect because of all the contracts coming up. So Kyler gets extended by Arizona, which in the big picture, I see why they did it. I don't necessarily agree with it. But then you're going to bring up my guy, Lamar Jackson, and ask me the same question because now you're talking about Lamar in that this is his uh, fifth-year option, $23 million. 
We know Josh Allen signed his deal a couple seasons back. He's at $43 million. So we're going to know where, where Lamar sits next. And, did, and my question to you was, and you and I both kind of agree that Baltimore is in the situation at before the Kyler Murray re-signed that they kind of have to pay him. Now is it, it's not even a question anymore, right, Tommy? you gotta re, you got to pay him now. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think I still look. There's what do we have to do, what should they do, and what will will they do, right? I mean, you're saying you have to pay him. I believe the same thing here, Tim. I think that you have to pay him. Well, I, I'm going to break it to you here. I, I think that they're going to franchise tag him. And I think they're going to franchise tag him from a business point. And, and the theme of last night's show was Jose was up in arms and just furious about every single sport being a money hike and being a business, you know. And just, look, I get his frustration, sure. But sometimes you have to just put that aside and say, okay, well, this is the way that it is. Tim, the concerns about Lamar Jackson will be solved in the next two years. They'll be solved one way or the other if they franchise tag him. They're going to know. The concerns with Lamar Jackson are, can you stay healthy and still run effectively? Number one. Number two, what if you can't run? As you get older, you know, as your career goes on, what if your running comes down? Can you be a passing Lamar Jackson? Number two. Number three, can you win in the playoffs? You know, we've seen sparks of success in the playoffs, um, but overall your playoff record, just not so good. Your playoff performances have been not so good. So those are kind of the three things that they have to ask themselves. Why give a guy a contract now? And I'm playing devil's advocate. I think you got to pay him, right? But mm-hmm. why give the guy a contract now where, you know what? We get two more years of the running Lamar Jackson. We get two more years to prove something to us. You go out there, you win the Super Bowl this year. Hey, we'll pay you. No problem. And you'll take it, you know, because it's going to be $40 million. So what? You go out there and you get hurt this year. Okay, now we don't pay you. I think that they're going to franchise him. I think they're going to mess around with him like they did with Kirk Cousins. I do. I think that they also believe, and this is something that I don't think that most people understand, but you as a Ravens fan absolutely understand. I also believe that they are unsure if Harbaugh is even going to be the head coach of this team in two or three years. I think Harbaugh is almost on a prove-it kind of situation. So all of a sudden, you know, you give Lamar Jackson this year. And we all think he's going to be great. I think he's got a shot to win another MVP. I think they win that division. I think they make the playoffs. I think good things from Lamar this year. But let's say you don't do it. They don't make the playoffs, Tim. They're looking up at Cincinnati, maybe looking up at Pittsburgh. They have a middling kind of eight and nine sort of year. Lamar Jackson gets injured or doesn't look effective throwing the ball. Now, all of a sudden, you're locked into him for a five-year contract, and you might have to bring in a new coach. Well, that, that's a little bit tough to sell. But if you're you're free of those things and you don't have those things, well, you know what? It's kind of like an option year. I think that they're looking at the franchise tag and not understanding how it can burn a player. They're looking at it like, hey, this is a smart business move. We get two extra years of a guy that we're not completely sure of. That's what it comes down to, right, Tom? It's a business. I agree with Jose as a fan. I'm sure you do as well. The opposite side of that coin is you and I sit here and we talk about every major contract that's signed in every major sport, and we basically say it's a bad deal because that contract is never fulfilled. And and unless they, they go on some kind of a run, and it just could be anybody we're talking about, some type of a run where you get more than one championship out of it, it's generally not worth the money that you paid. But with the way that these salaries are going, 
the player seems to have the advantage, but I, I kind of agree with you in that Baltimore has the advantage here in that they, they're playing with what the contract says, what they can do. The only um, negative I can see is that they piss him off so bad that he just, when he becomes a free agent, he leaves. But that's that's a choice you're going to have to take sometimes anyways. But if you're going by based off off of his statistics, he deserves the money. He's done a lot of things. He's 25. After week one, he'll be over 10,000 yards passing. His touchdowns, I see, or interception rate is immaculate. He's 37-12 and 12 as the Ravens quarterback. Can't beat any of that. Hasn't won in the playoffs. We already know that, right, Tom? But he's young. And with what the market bears and looking at what's available, unless you're planning on making a run at some of the 2020 quarterbacks that are, that are coming down the pike, you just got to do what you got to do here. And you, and you got to make sure that he's at least in Baltimore, like you said, for the next two, but hopefully six or seven, I guess. I guess you'd look at probably a five-year extension. Yeah, look, I think I think everyone's going to basically be – we see we went over the top 12 last night. Uh, highest paid quarterbacks and almost everyone's four-year deal, five-year deal, four-year deal, five-year deal. You know, um, that's kind of what it is. Here's the thing with Lamar Jackson. You say he's 25, right? But he turns 26 January 7th. So you know, he'll be 26, quote-unquote, during the year. Um, so you're, you're talking about, okay, um, let's, let's have a conversation about Lamar Jackson turning 26 during the year, then 27 during the year. Now all of a sudden you're going, well, someone's going to have to pay him. Is he going to get $40 million at 28 going on his 29 season with those carries? Look, we talk about carries, right? I mean, we talk about attempts, rushing attempts for any player. We talk about rushing attempts all the time, specifically for running backs. And we say, what happens? When you're at 30 years old, you're done as a running back, right? Well, are you going to take a shot at a running quarterback that's turning 29 years old during that, that first contract? He's had a lot of rushing yards, Tim, right? I mean, he's had a lot of rushing attempts as well. You're looking at 147 attempts, 176 attempts, 159. He's got 615 attempts in four years, Tim. Let's just say he adds on 150 over the next three uh, two years on average. You're looking at 900-plus attempts under his belt. 900 attempts under his belt. That's a lot of hits. So... I think that Baltimore's looking at this and going, you know what? We're going to be in a bidding war with teams that are going to be unsure about his rushing attempts by the time he comes up to be a free agent. I think Baltimore holds all the cards here. Now, I still think they should give him the money. I think a four-year or a five-year deal to lock up Lamar Jackson is perfectly fine because you're willing right now to say, okay, we're going to give you two or three years. You'd be fine with that. I feel perfectly okay with that. I feel okay with giving him upfront money, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, security money and upfront money. I'm okay with that. But they don't have to because they do have the franchise tag. They don't have to because the questions that surround Lamar Jackson are really honest to goodness questions. And those rushing attempts, if this was a running back, we would be saying, ah, you know, 28, 29, 900 rushing attempts. You know, you'd start to get into that position where you go, I wonder if it matters. I wonder if that counts. Well, we have to treat Lamar Jackson very much the same because the body still takes that kind of pounding. It's not the same, but it's similar. Are you basically what I'm saying is this? Look, are you giving Lamar Jackson a five-year deal at age 29, Tim? No. Right. So, what is the free agency market going to be? And it's a good point you brought it up because if you if you look at 
we're talking, okay, say they go the two-year route, 2024. I want to say the next class of guys, so you're talking Herbert and Burrow are fifth-year option guys in 2024. You know, what's the market going to bear at that point? If, if they're paying Herbert 40. Burrow won't get there. They, 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 they would wisely extend them, right? So what's the market going to bear if it's $40 million now? We have to see a regression at some point, don't we? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I really I, – I have no expert. Look, when it was Lamar Jackson – and this happened before this – you know, when the season ended. It was Lamar Jackson against who? Well, the number one guy was Aaron Rodgers getting paid the most money. The number two guy was Patrick Mahomes getting paid the second most money. The number three guy was Josh Allen getting paid the third most money. And I was fine with that. And then you included guys um, like Dak Prescott. No, okay, I can live with that. You, you know, you had guys in the top three. You don't deserve top three money. Guys in the top five, you can argue Stafford would have been, I think, four or five, and then Prescott was either five or six. So in the top six, you can argue that Lamar deserves that kind of money. But you could also very easily say, hey, you know what? You're not a top five or six guy getting paid. But Tim, I don't have an answer for you because this market doesn't make any sense. Kyler Murray did not deserve that contract. Deshaun Watson certainly didn't deserve that contract. And besides just the contract itself, which were both terrible contracts for players that have proven nothing in this league, literally have proven nothing in this league, barely over 500, no playoff wins, is not, let's go give this guy money. It's all the guaranteed money. Deshaun Watson, $230 million guarantee. Uh, Kyler Murray's $180 million guarantee. So that's the problem. If you wanted to have this conversation a couple of months ago, I would have said, no, Lamar, you know what? You're not worth it, man. You are not worth this money. And you say, can can these contracts kind of level off? No, because if I'm Joe Burrow's agent in two years and Justin Herbert's agent in two years and Burrow, hey, look, I got a, I got a Super Bowl, a couple of division titles. I finished top five in the MVP and Justin Herbert, you know, maybe I got an MVP. I got playoff wins. They're going to ask for 50 million a year. They're going to ask for 55 million a year. And guess what? They're going to get it. So hmm. I don't know if the market slows down. The problem is, is that, when you start to give out Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray, lesser players, more money, all of a sudden Lamar Jackson starts to look like a bargain if you could get him at $35 million or so. If I was Herbert and Burrow, and we say say since he makes it back to the playoffs, right, Tommy? Not even not even Super Bowl. Say they just make it to the playoffs. San Diego or L.A., excuse me, finds a way to make the playoffs. They're they're in great bargaining position to say, hey, why don't you guys extend me now? Because if you wait and it doesn't work your way, I'm go- it's going to cost you money. You know, they almost have that golden key too. So if Lamar gets tagged, it creates a whole another situation again next summer, Tom. Yeah, absolutely, it does. And you know, you look at Josh Allen, and I think it's all very easily to say that you know what Josh Allen's one of the top five players in the league right now, right? I mean, clearly one of the top one, two or three best quarterbacks in the league. I'd argue the best. Um, he's 26 years old. Won't be 27 until May. So he just turned 26. They only gave him six years, Tim. Right? They only gave him six years. So your Burrow, your Herbert, you're not getting a 10-year deal. They just don't hand those out in the NFL. You're probably going to look for a six-year something like this, $43 million a year. Josh Allen's getting paid handsomely. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like baseball. You're not giving out 15-year contracts, 10-year contracts. Mahomes got one, but you're not giving that out. You're not giving out these long extended contracts 
which brings Lamar Jackson back into the fold. If you're going to willing, if you're going to go offer him basically what the standard quarterback contract is, which is four to five years, right? I mean, Allen got six. Most of these guys are four years. If you're going to go offer Lamar Jackson four years, let's just say forty million, which is kind of the going rate right now. That's what Murray gets. That's what Deshaun gets. Four years, forty million, and you're sitting there and you're going, ah, why would we give him four years, forty million, where we can get half of that contract just in franchise tagging him? Starts to become the business of football. And and Lamar, right, Tommy? Lamar should be aiming at. Give me the Deshaun. I want the Deshaun full guarantee deal. I want I want you to pay like Cleveland paid. Like, like Kyler, there's an out there for for Arizona down the line. But if you're Lamar, you'd be like, I want it fully guaranteed. And I, you know, when you're looking at it, if you're going to give Deshaun Watson that, you got to give me that. And you know it. Here's the thing with with camp started, and if they don't get something done here in the next couple of weeks, Tom, as a fan, I don't want that looming over during the season. We always know how that works out. It never works out for the best. And considering the way the Ravens started last year, seven and one, and then Lamar goes down, they didn't win another game the rest of the way. I I don't need another distraction as a Ravens fan uh, with Lamar. So he got hurt last year. We stunk after that, right? Now, oh, well, we, he didn't get paid, so he's pissed off. It can work either either two ways, right? Generally, it's going to work the negative. I, it's more times than not, it's the negative way. It's just it's looming. So I, I hope they get it done, or at least they, they come to some agreement that they'll talk about it later. I, I don't know, Tom, but if we're going by what we've seen happen and what's coming down the line, it's, it's a simple decision for Rainer, Ravers, Ravens ownership, and that's just give them the money, and that's just the way it is today. Here's what I think is going to happen, just thinking of it from a Ravens mindset. Not saying it's a smart mindset, just the Ravens mindset. Franchise tag game is going to cost about $30 million, okay? Lamar's probably going to want about $40 million or so. I think that the Ravens are going to look at this and say, eh, we'll give him $30 million this year. He's going to be happy about $30 million, you know? He's not going to be happy about his long-term contract. He won't be that jaded. And then before next year, we'll decide. And I think that they're going to tell Lamar that. Because remember, Lamar's his own agent. Look, Lamar, you know, you got to play one more year. One year as a franchise take. You're still getting 30 mil, okay? You're still getting generational money for one year. And then we'll talk next season. And we'll have that conversation. And I feel like they think, you know what? We can, we can kind of smooth this thing over before the next contract. I, I think that that's the route that they're going to take. For a long time, before this Murray deal got done, I kept saying they're going to sign him because they're going to have to pay him $30 million anyway. So maybe go get 33 for four years or something like that. There you got themselves locked up. He's happy. They're happy, everything. But now with this deal and him probably wanting close to 40, hey, you save yourself $20 million, Tim, by not signing him. Yeah. The economics of football, right, Tom? Professional football. And, you know, you know, it's funny. I always equate everything. I'll, I'll tell a quick story here. Um, I always equate everything to fantasy uh, football and baseball just because it's the only time we as fans get a chance to kind of run an organization. And, and you guys know I'm a huge Yankee fan. I play in one of these dynasty leagues. I've played in the dynasty league for uh, 20 years now, but it is a extensive dynasty league. We have 30 minor league players. Uh, we have a draft. We draft, you know, right when Major League Baseball drafts. I mean, it is an extensive league. 
It's 16 teams. It's massive uh, 50-man roster. So it's extensive. You, so meaning that you get very hooked to your players. I was able to draft Aaron Judge years ago. I got Aaron Judge. We have contracts. And, and, and last year, Aaron Judge's contract came up. Now, I had the opportunity to buy out the last year of his contract, but you have to buy it out for five years, or to wait until this coming offseason and then basically go out there and buy him as a free agent. Tim, I didn't re-sign him last year. Now, I signed him in the offseason. He wound up being my guy anyway. I actually wound up getting him at a fair market price, but I didn't extend him. And I didn't extend him because before this miracle MVP run, I said, ah, you know, he's 30 years old. Hey, he's gotten some injuries behind him. I don't really know what I'm getting with Aaron Judge. And that's my favorite player in baseball right now. That's a, a silly fantasy team. Imagine if it's $30 million of your own money. So we kind of get on these owners and we get, oh, come on. You know, you can't do that. But when it's even your own team and you're in your that own place, you, you do hesitate and you do worry about the things that they have every right to be worried about, which are things like injuries, money, does it take away from the other team? And can I allocate this money differently? No, no, no doubt about that. And I'm glad you brought up Judge because we'll have a nice, nice segment about Judge and his future coming up probably an hour or two as we're moving through hour one here. And just so everybody knows the, the calendar update as we will begin our Tommy College football. See, Tommy's taking next weekend off, well-deserved. We're going to start our college football previews Saturday, August the 6th. And then we'll start our NFL previews, Tommy, Saturday, August the 20th. So the 13th and 14th, we're actually off because I'm going to go do something for my birthday that weekend. But it's full steam ahead. We're, we're starting the college previews. And then we're going to finish with uh, right before the before you get here, that week of the the fourth through the tenth so the night of the fourth august the fourth we'll do our nfl predictions and wrap up whatever divisions left over so here we go it's time to hit the gas pedal tom football is right here yeah i'm pretty pumped up about it i'll be honest with you you know i think every single year i talk about how excited i am this is one of those few years where i'm really excited for the league more than just my team I don't think the Bears are doing anything special this year. I don't think they're winning the championship or anything. But I'm real excited about the maturation of Justin Fields. I'm really excited to see, was Trevor Lawrence just a product of Urban Meyer? I'm real excited to see, was just Joe Burrow kind of just a, a flash in the pan? Is this Josh Allen's year? Can Justin Herbert become an MVP candidate? I, I love the youth in the league this year. And from a fan's perspective, it's one of those rare situations where I, I know my team isn't going to be great but they're fascinating. Uh, I know that I'm not going to have, you know, the, the, those highlight, those guys. I haven't attached myself to like that new player, but there's a lot of guys that I'm fascinated with. So I'm really getting pumped up for the NFL. I think in the NFL, maybe with the exception of Houston last year, right, that you could, not to say that you're right, because it's always going to be a, a personal opinion, but you can kind of craft, and regardless of who your team is, you can kind of say, you know, if things go right, we can sneak into the playoffs, and, and that's good enough for, for, you know, the lower-tier franchises or the middle-tier franchises are like, you know what, we, we, we do well, we stay healthy, we get in the playoffs, we can maybe knock off the big guys and move up an echelon. Whereas in Major League Baseball, say you're a Pirates fan or an Orioles fan, you got you know, the Orioles got, so far, they've been very, very fortunate that they were able to play the way they have. But the Pirates, most likely are going to be where they're going to be. And what do you, what do you look forward to when you're a Pirate fan? Looking at 
how the youngsters are going to come up and uh, start to grow so they can trade them. That's how you think in your mind, right? In the NFL, literally sometimes anything can happen. And I guess just depending on, like you said, what your expectations are, if you meet those expectations, you have to be happy as a fan. You know, here's the thing. I think you go through different points of fandom when you're not talking about your team. You go through different points of fandom. For example, in Major League Baseball, um, right now, I, I I like all these players that are over 30 years old. I'm a, I'm a Judge fan. I'm a Clay Holmes fan. Obviously, being a Yankee guy, you know, I uh, I love Paul Goldschmidt. I still love to watch Kershaw. I got to watch Kershaw as much as watch TV. I like the older guys. And I like a lot of minor leaguers. I can't wait for Volpe. Your guy, Gunnar Henderson, is exciting. I'm on the Riley Green bandwagon, right? So I like that. But the gap of players right now, I'm not a Soto fan. I'm not a Nakuni fan. I'm not a Tatis fan. I'm just not a fan of these guys. I'm not an Alex Manoa fan. I'm not a fan of right now. Where in the NFL, it's kind of the other way around. It's these young kids that I'm going, man, I'm a Trevor Lawrence fan. Oh, I can't wait to see what Justin Fields does. You know, I, I can't wait to see what Herbert does. I, I, I'm real interested in the younger players that are kind of just bursting onto the scene. So it's, an, it's a weird dynamic when you're watching the NFL, when you're watching any league, and you get your kind of crew. And I feel like the NFL now is into that position. Look, I wasn't a Mahomes fan. I wasn't a Jackson fan. I'm not a Stafford fan. I'm not a fan of... The, kind of the guys that are, are running the ship now. But the guys looking over their shoulder, the Josh Allens of the world, you know, the, the Joe Burrows, uh, you know, these guys that are up and coming, the Lawrences, the Fields, even the Wilson in, in New York, I'm kind of interested in, to see what he's going to do. I'm excited for them. So I like the NFL in a different context than I like baseball right now, but it always it's an ebb and flow, which is kind of cool. That's Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tim Unglesby and Mateo with you here in Las Vegas. Timeout number one when we come back. We'll figure out what we're going to talk about. I think actually I have an NHL note I want to bring up to Tommy, so we'll, we'll toss that around and just stay tuned. A lot of baseball coming up here tonight as there's plenty, plenty going on with the free agent, free agency in, in the future. Juan Soto, as Tommy said, even the trade deadline coming up here in just a little bit over a week. So stay tuned for all that and more. It's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Back out of here, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. Every Saturday. Yeah, I almost didn't know what that, I thought it was commercial actually, but we're back, <laughs> we're back at it, and we were talking NFL, uh, real quick NHL note, Tommy, because obviously you and I know nothing about the National Hockey League, even though uh, a lot of predictions came true this year, but we got to bring it up because that's what we do, the the big trade, and this was big in, in mindset, if, depending on which side you want to look at this, so we already knew Calgary was in, in a bunch of trouble when Johnny Gaudreau decided he wanted to go play in Columbus, Ohio instead, Tom. So what happened, the, the chain of events that happened after this was that Matthew Chuchuk basically came out and said, my contract's coming up next year. I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not re-signing with you either. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. I will not come back. So Calgary in desperation, but well, they had to do something here, Tommy, right? They're not going to let somebody else walk away for nothing, basically. 
They ship off to Chuck to Florida. Jonathan Huberdeau comes back the other way, uh, older, five years older, cheaper. It's going to be cheaper in the long run, I think, if they can re-sign him. But either way, I thought it was interesting in that you have two two players who scored over 100 points this year. So, big, you know, obviously very big deal here. But I don't think it just got as much recognition as it should probably because one's a Canadian team, one plays in, in, in Florida where still there are people that don't even know there are professional hockey out there. But I thought it was a big deal, and I, I like it for me. I love it from the, the Florida Panther aspect of it, Tommy. And for Calgary fans, you kind of had to do what you had to do here and hope that maybe you could bring Huberto back at, at a, what it was going to cost you cheaper or, or less than what it would cost you to get to Chuck, who already said, I'm not coming back. Yeah, you know, this was a weird one for me because when you're breaking it down, you're like, okay, is he going to leave Canada? And if he leaves Canada... What did we all think? All right, if he leaves County, he wants to go play close to home, right? I mean, that was it, right? I mean, well, why why would he leave um, and, and kind of go to that spot? Well, you know, where's he from? Oh, he's from Scottsdale, Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, maybe maybe that's why he's leaving. Maybe he'll go play somewhere around there. Maybe he'll do that. No, this is the weirdest landing spot ever, right? I mean, I, I didn't... It just didn't make any sense. Look, I love the move from the Panthers. I think that the Panthers are going, hey, we we should have won the cup last year. We were the best team in the league. We need, you know, a little more, I guess, you know, that that little extra guy, you know, 24 years old. Let's get it done. I thought this was the weirdest landing spot. If you would have given me like five different places, I heard Philly was leading the charge. I had heard, you know, you, you look at, well, Arizona was not going to get involved, but well, he's from there and he wants to come back. There was a there was story upon story upon story, and I could probably give you twenty stories. And guess what? I didn't hear Florida mentioned one single time. And then th- this sort of came out of nowhere for me. Um, the Flames are going to miss him. I think it's a big loss for them. I think it's a huge addition for Florida, who I don't think needed the addition necessarily. I, they just need to learn to win in the playoffs. But this this could swing the proverbial pendulum in their favor that's for sure and they already locked him up too it was an eight-year extent or eight-year deal so he's there for the next at least tommy at least five six years and I, you know we were just talking money they get him eight years 76 million in the nhl i think that's that was a great great haul for a 25 year old winger left winger that you know, last year, Huberdeau and Barkov were a one-two punch for the Panthers. I think he just slides right into Huberdeau's spot. And and you're thinking from the mindset is hopefully it works out for them because of their playoff failure. You know, the, the best team in the league, and they get bounced out by by Tampa in round number two as far, as far as from the Calgary side of it. They didn't have a choice, Tom. They had to do something. or They couldn't afford to lose both these guys back-to-back years. And, you know, Calgary, it's unfortunate. You, you, we talk about the Battle of Alberta and Edmonton and Calgary. I don't think there's going to be a battle. I think Calgary takes a massive step back now. Yeah, well, look, even Johnny Gordeau is the same thing. Johnny Gordeau was all but signed in Philadelphia and New, and New Jersey. I mean, all I heard, I live in the area, all I heard is, oh, he's definitely coming here. He's coming home. Oh, Johnny Gordeau's coming here. Oh, he's coming here. And he starts with Columbus. Wait, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah, I think Calgary is just going to just take a nosedive now. This is a, this is a rough offseason for the Flames after what was really a very promising, really a very fun season for them. I I didn't understand why Gordeau chose Columbus. I mean, you can't say it's a better chance to win. 
You can't say that he's closer to home. I didn't understand that. And I didn't really understand um, why the Flames would not just open up their wallet and just give Kachuk anything he wanted at that point. You can't lose both. You can't lose all this. No. Unless you want to talk more hockey or you got an NBA note, Tommy, we can dive right into baseball. Yeah, no, I, j- just real quick on the uh, kind of the hockey uh, landscape here. As you're breaking it down, and I know that it's getting harder and harder to kind of keep track in, in the NHL, it's almost becoming like every other sport now where every single day, doesn't matter what time of year, you got to kind of watch out for transactions. And we're like 80 games away, 80 days away from, from the starting. I, I, I get that. Um, but you start to look around and you go, okay, where are some underrated, you know, kind of signings? And who's, who, who's the pendulum going to swing to and who's going to really uh, kind of lift themselves up? And you just break down last year's playoff teams. A lot of them got big-time knocks on them. A lot of them lost not small talent, but pretty massive talent. I think that that means something. I really do. I think that, that it, it's really something that you got to pay attention to where the NHL is starting to get into a position where we're starting to see, dare I say the term, Tim, like power teams, dare I say the term that like the NBA used, right, like dream teams. It's almost starting to get into that feel where – a team like Calgary just can't keep their their stars. It, uh, certain teams, look, we know Vegas botched the cap, but they can't keep their stars. And it's starting to get into that, well, okay, now let's go to and build these power teams. Even just looking at last year's playoff teams, th- there's going to be a lot of changes just to the playoffs alone. Yeah, I agree. It's Is it good for the sport, Tom, to have a top-heavy league like that? You know, no. the NHL, ex- exactly, right? Because the NHL is always going to be considered – the fourth, right? They're the fourth league of the four, and we've always had these discussions over the year of how they could present themselves to, to make themselves more popular, and it's just, it's, it is what it is, right? And the superstars that are now versus superstars then and how you market the league and how you market the teams, it's a good quality product. There's no doubt about it, but I don't think it's just the numbers-wise, it's good. Well, exception to the NBA. We've already talked about this, right? The NBA is going down, the NHL is going up. But you're right. If it becomes too top-heavy, then you're really looking at fan bases across the league. And we're talking about we're going to go more than half, become disinterested. Yeah, very disinterested. And, you know, there is a, there is the thing where you gotta you have to have that guy. Even through the lean years and – I'm watching the Jeter documentary. I'm watching it with uh, with my son who's eight years old. I, I realize when I'm looking at him, and you know, this is an old man speaking here, Tim. I'm I'm you know, 45 years old now. I'm an old man speaking. I'm looking at my eight year old, and I'm going, "You'll never understand how much Don Mattingly meant to us because the Mets were so good, the Yankees were in their feudal times, but he was the best player in baseball. So we had him. I feel bad for kids nowadays that have just bad teams." And they don't have that guy that they could kind of just wrap up and say, okay, he's ours. All right, we might stink. But we're not gonna we're not gonna win the championship yet this year. But I got that guy. You know, the Angels, and I hate to be like this, but the Angels were Mike Trout for years, right? Well, the Angels didn't, didn't win playoffs, they're not doing that. But but if you're an Angel fan, at least we got Trout. You know, at least he's he's our guy. At least we have that. Um the NHL, you know, you need that. You do, especially with the NHL, which is more of a a regional feel almost a college football feel where 
turnover is bad because you need that player. You need to wear that jersey. And I'm coming to the game to watch him even if the team stinks. I'm coming to the game to make sure that that's my guy even if the game stinks. And for a while, the NHL was like that, just like baseball was for a long time. Okay, I could count on that. The NFL is always overturning because of injuries and whatnot, and the NBA started to overturn uh, long ago. But if you have that guy, I think it's really bad for the NHL to not be able to go do that, to not be able to get, okay, in Calgary, Johnny Gordeaux's the guy. We all got Johnny Gordeaux jerseys. Oh, that's fantastic. I look at a guy like Connor McDavid, Tim, right? And before anybody says, oh, he won't leave, remember Wayne Gretzky, right? Just remember, Gretzky left. Connor McDavid has an eight-year deal. Okay, well, that's, you know what I mean? That, that's absolutely fantastic. He's going to be there a while. We know that. Um, we know that that he'll be there until, uh, what is it, 25-26, uh, year 2025-26. Uh, Tim, that's not that far away. It's, it's four seasons away. In four seasons, Connor McDavid is still going to be under 30 years old. What happens to that? Is McDavid leaves? These are the things that I think about from a fan's perspective and just going, it stinks that an Edmonton fan might be sitting back and saying, I don't know if we're going to keep McDavid. Calgary fan has to say, I, I bought that brand new Johnny Gordeaux jersey. Well, there goes that. You know, you start to get into that weird position when you're talking about guys shuffling teams so often. Calgary had a hell of a season, made the playoffs, high scoring, fun to watch. The playoff atmosphere there in, the, in their saddle dome, whatever it's called, in their arena was unbelievable, right? Uh, are we going to lose Gaudreau? I don't know, man. The way we played this year, he, he might want to come back. And then he even played the whole – he played it up too, Tom. You know, I'm interested in staying. And then he was gone. A week later, he was gone to Columbus of all places. So if you're a fan, you're like, oh, well, that sucks. But we still got to Chuck, man. He, he's the future, right? And then he comes out and says he's gone too. That, that is just, it's got to be disheartening. I agree 100%. Or say you're an Ottawa Senators fan. It's funny how it's always these Calgary franchises, right? Say you're an Ottawa fan. Just been piss poor for years. And the exciting thing about Ottawa, and I use the, the Pittsburgh Pirate reference, just like in baseball, uh, we're building a nice young squad here. For what? What are you building it for, though? <laughs> that That's the unfortunate yeah. thing about it, you know? And, and, you know, you've been in that position at times. I mean, so have I. Look, I own a Jay Cutler jersey, right? I mean, I've been in this position. Um, I, I have a Khalil Mack jersey. Can't wear it anymore in, in the NFL. When a team needs something to grasp onto, and I mentioned the Bears because they've been bad so for so long, you know. Uh, when a team has that guy to grasp onto, and he's going to be your guy. You need him to be your guy more than the one spark moment. And, you know, I do think, I, I, I do, I really think it's not good for the NHL that we're getting so much movement. It's fun. It's exciting. They're in the news. I get it. Uh, Florida's going to be a fun team next year, really fun team next year. Uh, they're going to be uh, exciting to watch. It's going to be great. I think it's great that these guys are going out there getting their money. Johnny Gordeaux, go ahead, cash your goes paychecks. I'm okay with that. I just look at it from the perspective of, oh, man, you know, you want your guy to hold on to. Right now. You're a Baltimore Ravens fan, Tim. And then, look, they have plenty of success. But right now, if you're a brand-new Ravens fan or if you're sitting back and you're going, you know what, my birthday's coming up in two weeks and I'd love to get a Lamar jersey, you've got to hesitate, don't you? Don't you have to hesitate a little bit to get that Lamar jersey because I don't know if we're going to re-sign him. Right. right. No, no, you're right. It's, it's unfortunate the way that 
the the Jose V, the business, right, Tom? The way the business works, but that's what it is. And trust me, Tommy, I got a closet full of jerseys for guys that uh, no longer you, you, apply. You got so. a Ray Rice jersey, my friend. Hey, that's in the yeah. I got a. I like, it's, right next to the, it's right next to the Ray Lewis one. So who, who, yeah, <laughs> who, who would you be buying right now? Who's the, who's your jersey? I you know what I picked up. This is a good, that's a good question. I just picked up because I know uh, I got you Otani last uh, for the for Christmas, but I'm yes. talking about football. Football. I just picked up right after the Super Bowl. I picked up a, a Herbert San Diego or LA jersey. So. Oh wow! Okay, All right. I really like that guy. I really do. Yeah, I, I always like to have a player that's not on my team to kind of be the guy. You know, Josh Allen is holding that mantle now for me. It was Andrew Luck for a little while. It was obviously uh, Luke Keekley for a little while. Um, but to have that guy that's not on your team, I thought it was going to be Trevor Lawrence, but it's been Josh Allen for, for a couple of years. I'm not quite ready to do the Jersey though, Tim, but, but I'm, I'm really close. Here's what's keeping me away from doing the Jersey. Cause I would have already bought it in baseball. I don't buy any other jerseys, but in football, I'll buy the, I'll buy a million jerseys. You know, what's keeping me away. I live with a Miami Dolphins fan. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how she's going to feel if I whip out a, <laughs> a Josh Allen jersey. Well, you, you lived with uh, Miami Dolphin fan, and you, you sported the Brady. I never bought a Brady jersey. No, I always did not know wanted that. one. Okay. Always, and then and then I said I, I I said to her, I said, "Huh, what if I get like like a Michigan jersey, Brady?" And I was like, "I can't wear a Michigan jersey." Uh, no, okay, all right. Then then you start going. What if I can get a Pro Bowl jersey? <laughs> right? No, no, no. Still got the New England logo on it. All right, okay. Look, I love Brady. Then he goes to Tampa, and I was a hundred percent ready. I was like, "Oh, that's it. I'm getting a, I'm getting a Brady jersey. I'm getting a Brady jersey." And uh, I owned the bar, and I wound up buying the Brady jersey, ready to get it. I bought two a uh, size too big, so I had to give it away at the bar. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't ever knew. I thought you did. I thought we were because uh, we always talked about being fans of other teams. And Never got the Brady. Yeah, yeah. Cause I have a couple, and people are always like, "I thought you were Ravens," and I go, "I am." <laughs> Why are you wearing that? Because I, I like Brady. And it hurt me more, Tom, because he, like, you know, has infamously knocked us out of the playoffs, I think, two or three times. So it really hurt, but <laughs> yeah, much respect. In, base, in baseball, I'm really weird about it. In baseball, I really won't wear anybody else's jersey. Um, I'm kind of a Yankee jersey guy. I, I don't wear a lot of baseball jerseys, though. You know, in football, I – I'll wear it. Anybody I like, you know, I, I always try to get almost every season. I get a new bears Jersey and almost every season I turn around and I get, uh, you know, every other season I get somebody else, but the last somebody else I got, I, I have luck and I got, um, you know, and I got Luke Keekley. I, I don't, I haven't bought that new Jersey. I, I was this close to buying the black Trevor Lawrence Jersey. I was this close to it, Tim. And then he had a really bad year last year. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I'm I'm blaming Urban Meyer, but I'm kind of glad I didn't go out there and buy that one. The the art of jersey buying, there there is a system to it. There, absolutely, there. Right, on the rate, how many Ravens jerseys do you own right now? Six or seven, probably. And I'm. Do you have I, a? Do you have a Lamar? I have two Lamars. The the next one I'm getting it. would be the Andrews. I don't have the Andrews, so. Oh, okay. You know what I thought? I thought Tucker. I have a Tucker, but it's a Pro Bowl one. It's actually pretty cool. The oh, that's kids got me cool. that one. Yeah. A couple of Lamars. Got the, the 
the degenerate. So anybody was asking, Tim likes extra large jersey. Send it to right. the station. <laughs> extra large, Mark Andrews. You should be able to find it. I don't think they're sold out. So. <laughs> all right, hour one in the books. Hour two is all about baseball. Tim and Tom's favorite favorite pastime. We're going to talk about that coming up. Uh, actually, it's going to be a short one, so stay tuned. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Are you ready? Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Last hour as we move into a new week, Monday coming up. Quick programming note for next week. Tom, Tom, taking a couple days off, going camping, my friend. Yeah, I'm going camping up to Lake George. That uh, we, uh, we used to go up when we were kids and bringing the kids up for a an eight day extravaganza up there. It's, uh, that'll be nice and relaxing. There's literally nothing to do. So fishing, hiking. Uh, might might uh, take out the guns a little bit. Maybe a little bow and arrow action. I'm gonna have some fun. Does the cell service work? Are they going to be able to peep a little baseball here and there? Yeah, it's actually, un- unfortunately, it's not as rural as I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's not, uh, Lake George is a big town, actually, so we're about 10 miles outside of Lake George. We're in a cabin, so we're not even really in a tent. So it's not as rural as I'd like it to be. Eh, it's okay, man. Yeah, I'll get there eventually, you know. Uh, when we're going with, uh, you know, my four and now almost going to be five year old daughter, my wife, my mother, my two nieces and my sister. So while they, you know, don't want to go camping, me and, me and Tommy will go get lost and do some real, real camping stuff. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy that, my friend. Enjoy that. So I, I have like three three bullet points for this hour. It's all baseball. I'll let you pick where we start. So we can do um, trade deadline. We can do MLB draft, or we can start with the upcoming free agency and what looms with with Aaron Judge and then how that affects with Juan Soto's possible trade, you know, money-wise. So which of those three would you like to begin with, well, look, you know, I said it this morning on, on Sports Garden Network show and want to bet weekend edition for anybody that wants to listen in. And Tim, I think I'm going to, you know, say it again here. Probably, uh, I mean, this is really the last time I'm going to be able to talk about it. Uh, I think we have to start with the trade deadline because, like I said this morning, every single day for the next, what, nine days should be trade deadline talk. The League Baseball trade deadline is standing at a monumental moment or could be could be a lot of nothing with Juan Soto maybe moving Luis Castillo potentially moving uh Frankie Montas absolutely might be out there I mean there are some big names Benintendi and Reynolds and Hap uh David Robertson and Castillo I mean there are Contreras there are some huge names but no one's making a move because all of a sudden Juan Soto is in play the deadline will be August 2nd, so you're right. You're off next weekend, so when you come back on the 6th, it'll be done and passed, and we can talk about uh, where these guys landed and how it affects the, the the rest of the stretch run to the postseason. But Soto changed everything when he turned down 
the big offer that the Washington Nationals set forward to him. And it's really opened up a lot of things. You're right. So I guess the first thing first is the Yankees are the best team in baseball, but yet everybody looks at the Yankees, Tommy, as the team that's going to make a move here. They're a massively flawed team, Tim. Um, me and Jose kind of touched on it last night. The New York Yankees have a great record. They've had a lot going for them. But, Tim, their starting pitching over the last month has been pretty bad. And their starting pitching, look, you know Cole's going to give you innings. And Montgomery's going to give you innings. But they're really, you know, look, they're a one and a three. And Montgomery's even closer maybe to a four. Nestor Cortez is fantastic. He's never pitched more than 93 innings coming into the season. Luis Severino is now on the injured list, and he's not even going to throw a ball for another two weeks, and we know his arm injury history. Jamison Tyon looks like he shouldn't even be in the rotation. Now, J.P. Sears looks good, and Clark looks good, and the Yankees have some guys in the minor league, including even Domingo German that could come up and could be something interesting. But are these guys that you want to go out there and rely on, Tim? Do you, you want to rely on your rookies? No, you don't. Not if you're this close and you're this close to really making an impact. You don't want to do that. This is why I think that the Yankees have to go get an arm or two. They might need even two arms, Tim. The bullpen. Oh, the bullpen was playing fantastic. Aroldis Chapman is, is just a DFA right now. He's absolutely useless. They lost Michael King, potentially, uh, to Tommy John surgery, but he's definitely out for the year. That is a massive. People that weren't paying attention, Michael King's an all-star. Uh, he was easily their second-best reliever after Clay Holmes, the best receiver in the league right now, or, or uh, closer in the league right now. They lost Shane Green. They lost Chad Green. They lost Zach Britton, who might be back for the play. This team has been devastated. Loisica can't fly in the strike zone. I think they need a bullpen arm. I think they need a starting rotation arm. But you do also get the idea that they need a bat, Tim. And before we go crazy, oh, the Yankees are this, and the Yankees are crushing it, the Yankees are this, they are. Luis Trevino has been a very, very, very bright spot for the New York Yankees. He is an all-star, and he should be an all-star. And Luis Trevino is everything the Yankees want behind the dish. He's a fantastic receiver. Luis Trevino is batting 247, Tim. Anthony Rizzo, fantastic early part of the year. He's doing great. Oh, he's crushing home runs all over the place. Anthony Rizzo's hitting 222. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa can't hit his weight. He's, he's barely useful out there. Defensively, he's terrible. Josh Donaldson looks awful. Joey Gallo is batting about 160. That's not a joke. Aaron Hicks barely doing anything. Tim, there's a lot of holes in that lineup. A lot of holes in this lineup. And you start to turn around and you start to look at what do the Yankees need. First and foremost, they need a starting pitcher. Maybe two. They definitely need some bullpen help. Maybe two arms there. But yeah, Tim, they need a bat. I don't know if they have to go get a guy like Juan Soto. As a matter of fact, I don't want to pay for Juan Soto. But this is a Yankee team that is very flawed. And when you start setting the mark at 60-some-odd wins at the All-Star break, you can't be a flawed team because anything but a championship this year is a major disappointment. And make sure you check out Tom's YouTube page, Tom Barton Sports. He has actually, last week, he did a, a good video about why he doesn't want Juan Soto on the Yankees. So check that out. So... Let me throw out some names, and you tell me the direction. And this, this can, you can also expand to other teams that may jump into this. And I think the names are going to be common, but you said starting pitching, and obviously Luis Castillo pops up all year long. He's been the, the talk has been, where is he going to go at the trade deadline from Cincinnati? And he's pitching money right now. He's, he's 
looking good, Tom. He had kind of an audition against your boys right right before the break. So, Louis Castillo, the guy, is he a Yankee? Do you see maybe somebody else sliding in and picking him up? Like, who are the suitors that would pay the prospects it's going to cost to pick up Luis Castillo? Well, that's the thing. Cincinnati doesn't actually have to trade Luis Castillo. He's got years left on his deal. He's got two more years left on his deal. Now, I think they will, um, but they don't have to. Tyler Molly is another guy. I think they will trade him. They don't have to trade him. Um, you look at the New York Yankees being the leading candidate because they, they need him the most. The Dodgers also could use him. I'll tell you what, the Mets could use him because I don't believe in Carlos Carrasco, and I think the Mets are starting to have doubts about Jacob DeGrom coming back. I hear Atlanta is in play, which makes a lot of sense when you're talking about innings limits. Kyle Wright is a guy with innings limits, uh, and let's be honest, Ian Anderson hasn't looked the same. So I think that those are kind of the main suitors. You want to throw in a Houston. I've heard people mention Houston. Want to throw a Seattle into the bunch. All right, maybe you could throw Seattle. Toronto always needs arms. But I think this is the Yankees, Dodgers, maybe the Mets, and Atlanta. Which is funny because those four teams are kind of the same four teams that are in play for Juan Soto, which is probably why Luis Castillo made his start in the Bronx wearing a Reds jersey and not a Yankees jersey because they're waiting to see what is it going to cost to get Juan Soto. He's number one as far as what's available. Montes, I assume, would be number two. But after that, right, Tom? It's, I mean, really, are are you dealing for the likes of a a Michael Pineda or a Jose Quintana or a Martin Perez? That's what's kind of left after the the guy, Castillo, and then Montes, who's been shaky uh, this season as it is. But I'm sure Oakland can figure out a way to, to get some prospects out of that deal. Yeah, you know, Montas is the guy that I would be going after if I'm the Yankees. I think he's going to cost, I mean, really pennies on the dollar here, Tim. I think he's really going to be pennies on the dollar for an Oakland team that has to trade him, an Oakland team that knows, you know, we're not going to get a top prospect. You you, you call about Anthony uh, Volpe for Frankie Montas, the Yankees are hanging up on you. Anthony Volpe is exactly who Cincinnati started the conversation with, right? You could get a Frankie Montas, who, oh, by the way, actually has very similar statistics to Luis Castillo. Very similar contract structure, very similar age. I don't see much of a difference there. And I think that Montas would be the guy that I'd be going after. Um, I know that he's coming off of an injury. I get it. Uh, But it's not like Luis Castillo has been the bastion of health. And you look at Frankie Montas and you go, okay, what is there not to like about him? Okay, he does play in spacious Oakland, which is is certainly a knock against him. But wait a minute. Luis Castillo takes on the Pirates lineup, the Cubs lineup, even the Brewers lineup three times a year. You know, I mean, uh, you know, those three teams all year long. Frankie Montas is still 29 years old. Frankie Montas has got 3.16 ERA. He's got over a, a little over a one whip. Uh, you know, he doesn't walk a whole, a whole lot of guys. I'd be going after Montas at the deleted price, and I think it's going to be a very small price. If come August 2nd, the the Yankees trade for Luis Castillo and Anthony Volpe is in that deal, are you upset? Oh, man. I am not a prospect hugger, Tim. I just don't want to get rid of Volpe. He's got something special. Look, I like Peraza. I think Peraza can be a great player. But Volpe is the kind of guy that he can energize a city and energize a team. I'm looking at this New York Yankees team, and I'm saying, okay, who are going to be the guys that my son is rooting for, you know, in five years from now? Not 10, five years from now. 
Aaron Judge will be on the backside of his career. He'll be 35 years old or so. Omer going to be 36 if he's still on this team. Trevino will be gone. Rizzo will be gone. LeMahieu will be gone. IKF will be gone. Gallo will be gone. Hicks will be gone. I keep going down the list. Donaldson will be gone. Stanton will be there, but again, on the backside of his career, and he will still be there. So you're going to have Stanton in his mid to late 30s, Garrett Cole in his late 30s, and that's it. Those are the only two guys that, that we know are going to be there. They don't have a young core of a team. I think Volpe could be that guy. He's from the area. He's a guy that could get this team energized. He doesn't have to be the biggest all-star. So I think there there's something to be said about the intangibles. Peraza may wind up the better player, Tim. But I don't think Peraza is going to energize the fan base as much as Volpe would. Let's look at the bullpens. These are the hot names, Tommy, that are that are uh, going to be available possibly for trade. Daniel Bart's kind of shot up the list now as he looks like one of the top relievers that some teams are looking at. The lefty from Colorado. You have David Robertson with the Cubs. Continue on. Ian Kennedy's name along with Mark Melanson in Arizona. Got veteran guys that names are popping up. When you look at the bullpen, Elvin, you talked about the Yankees could add an arm. Andrew Chafin, another guy in Detroit that a lot of teams are, are looking at. Who are we looking at, not only from a Yankee point of view, but Give me a guy that you know for sure is going to end up somewhere else. I think Chafin makes the most sense. Uh, Joe Mantiply makes a lot of sense in Arizona. Somebody wants to go down that route. David Robertson to the New York Mets, I think, is almost a done deal. I think Robertson and the Mets are a match made in heaven. He likes New York. New York likes him. Um, you know, People keep saying he's going to come to the Yankees. They went some bad blood when he left town. And the Mets have shown interest in him in the past. I think Robertson goes for sure. But there are a number of arms. Chafin's probably a guy that also you, you could almost count on you know, being out of town, specifically because he's a lefty. Specifically, uh, that's why I think a guy like Joe Man- Mantiply as well could be that guy. So, you know, I, I think the reliever market is going to be – it's going to happen real fast, real quick, boom, 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 right? I think that the reliever market is going to be a situation – where one guy's going to go and you see the slew of other guys. Because we don't have a lot of time here, Tim. I would also watch Kansas City. Kansas City is interesting because you look at, you know, who the Royals have and, and their closing situation and, uh, you know, what the, the Royals' back end looks like. Look, Josh Stamount was supposed to be the next guy. He was supposed to be the guy. Josh Stamount, Stamount was the, the next closer on that team. He never wound up taking it over, but he's still on the team. Taylor Clark was going to be the next closer on this team. He's still on the team. He's now 29 years old. Um, Dylan Coleman was drafted to be the next closer on this team. But Scott Barlow's held the position well, and he's had a phenomenal year. I think Scott Barlow at this point is just really uh, just overkill. You can lose Barlow and bring in Stoutmount. You lose Barlow and bring in Clark. You lose Barlow and hand it over to Coleman, who's the future there. There's a lot of ways you could go. I think Scott Barlow, Clark, Stamount, even Coleman, all four of them could be on the move. But you got to get rid of one of them if you can't see. There's no reason to have this great bullpen if you can't do anything. There's no surefire closer like Liam Hendricks a couple years ago with the A's to the White Sox. Uh, Daniel Bard would be that guy in Colorado, right? And I, I don't see, like, the phone – uh, look, the red phone is not continuously ringing for Daniel Bard, even though I, th- I think he'd be a solid addition to a contending team. Yeah, no, no. I mean, 
Daniel Bard might be the guy again. <laughs> right? I mean, Daniel Bard might actually be that guy, you know, for the second time again. No, there, there really isn't that guy. Um, even a guy like Raziel Iglesias, who I've heard people calling about, no, he's not that guy. Lopez in Baltimore, eh, he's not that guy either. I think Robertson is the closest thing we have to that guy. He's got under a two ERA. He's got closing experience. He's got big game experience. He's got big city New York experience. I think Robertson is the name to watch. As far as the bats go, and again, you mentioned you'd like a bat there in New York. So the top top names I'm seeing thrown about for the trade deadline deals, Josh Bell in Washington, Benintendi, you mentioned him. Saying we're there with that Royal team. A lot of Royals could be moving places here in a week. Uh, Cole Calhoun's name I've seen pop up. Wilson Contreras, the catcher in Chicago. Nelson Cruz. I'm not sure what's left there for the post 40 year old DH. Adam Frazier, another utility guy you could use on the bench. Um, look for for me, Tom. The guys that are being thrown out. I think Whit Merrifield, another Royal, right? That could be used. Trey Mancini, Baltimore. His name also popping up. So some bats there. I just don't know. What are you looking for as a Yankee fan? What do you want to add? Brian Reynolds, that guy? No. Re- I would look, I love Reynolds. Um, I think the price tag is massively high. You've got you to think about price tag. Uh, I, I think Benintendi could fit well. I think Benintendi is a little overrated, but he is a lefty bat. Uh, he is a guy that kind of is a contact player. He can also play a decent outfield. I would love to get Hap. I'd love to get Reynolds, but I think the Yankees are going to settle for much less. And Benintendi makes perfect sense for me. I'm fine with that. And everyone's freaking out about the COVID situation. Well, he can't travel to Toronto. Uh, you know, whatever. I, I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. if, if you have to go to Toronto and really worry about Andrew Benintendi one way or the other, that, that's a problem in itself. <laughs> so, I, you know, right. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, I, it depends on the price. You know, what I would what I would do if I was New York – I would try to make a package of, go give me Frankie Montas, go give me Acevedo, and give me Ramon Laureano from the A's. Get you, you fill three positions you need. You get a solid middle reliever. You get Montas, who is a starter. You get a guy that can play center field, and he's athletic. And, you know, he's not, look, he's not going to hit you at 300 like Benintendi. But I'm okay with the, those small upgrades. The biggest thing that I would do if I was the New York Yankees I would sit down Isaiah Kainafalefa and bring up Peraza, give this team energy from within, give J.P. Sears a bigger role, go to a six-man rotation, use him, use Taylor Clark out of the bullpen, start doing that. Marinaccio looks fantastic out of the bullpen. Let's see what Zach Britton looks like. The Yankees have a lot of fixes within, Tim. So if I'm New York, I'm swinging for the fences here. If you want to bat... Swing for the fences. Don't don't just go for like a Benintendi. But I think knowing that they need a Castillo or a Montas, I think going for Benintendi is perfectly okay. I mean, the dream scenario is obviously, you know, Luis Castillo for Yankee fans. Um, why would you not include somebody along with him? You know, try to grab somebody else on that team that you can throw in the mix. I would write, you know what? You want to talk about Volpe? Give me Castillo and Tyler Male. Take Severino who obviously has thrived as a relief pitcher. You put him in the bullpen for the postseason. You take Nestor Cortez, who's going to have his innings limits. Hey, you put him in the bullpen. Now all of a sudden you have Severino, Nestor Cortez, uh, you know, setting up Clay Holmes. I'm feeling much better than I have. And you have Male and Castillo in a prime spot to start. 
when you look at the American League, it just seems to be that, barring, I wouldn't even say the word upset, but you know how the playoffs can be. But it just seems to be that it's a Houston, New York, ALCS. That's the road we're, we're traveling right now. So you just talked up what the Yankees could do. Be the GM now in Houston. What are the Astros looking to do, Tom? I think the Astros are terrified that the Cinderella slipper will fall off because we have never watched ever a guy come back from Tommy John surgery and throw 180 to 200 innings. Justin Verlander looks like he's going to do that. If they go deep into the playoffs and they face the Yankees, he's almost certainly going to do that. Um, Valdez, Framber, you you look at the three-headed Garcia, the three-headed rotation there. All of them have some inning limit concerns. All of them. Presley didn't look great in the closers role. Uh, the back end of that bullpen, a lot of innings there. They're eating a lot of innings. So if I'm Houston, I'm saying to myself, we, we need an innings eater. We don't need – they don't need a front line Luis Castillo. They need somebody that they could go out there and they could say, okay, I know that he's going to give me six innings. He might let up four runs in that six innings, but we're the Astros. Who cares? Give me six innings. And I think that that's kind of the player that they should be uh, kind of targeting, a guy that could go out there. You mentioned a, uh, a Pineda before. Now, I know he just got injured. He would have been a perfect guy. Send Pineda out there. Go ahead. You don't need him to even start in the playoffs, but you, they need to really start watching these, these innings limits for all of their pitchers because we've never seen them enter these innings limits that they are soon going to be entering, especially led by Justin Verlander. You take Verlander out of that number one slot, that team looks very, very, very vulnerable, doesn't it? It looks like McCullers is about due back, though, Tom, so that could be a boost for them. McCullers certainly could come back, but again, do you do you fully trust McCullers? No. You, you, we, you know? we definitely have to see how he's good. Yeah. That yeah is not a, I mean, it's a serious injury. So. It, it really is, and it's an injury where it, it's <laughs> the guy's been hurt his whole career, Tim. Mm-hmm. Call me skeptical that he's going to be all of a sudden stay healthy. Well, in the National League, we, we know the Dodgers running away with this uh, that we thought that would happen in the West, 11 and a half games up on the Padres. What are the Dodgers doing? How about the Mets and the Braves are fighting it out here in the East, a game and a half separation? And then in the Central, the two teams we thought would be right there, it's Milwaukee and St. Louis, two and a half games separate them. I would assume that all of them are looking at making a move here, some, some, adding something to this mix. Yeah, St. Louis has pitching woes. Um, Flaherty was out. You've got to still worry about Wainwright, who inconsistently has these weird innings. Uh, their, their staff has been just riddled with injuries. St. Louis, they're talking about Soto. Oh, Soto would be great. But St. Louis really does need a pitcher. They, they, have, to get, they have to get a life there. Somebody. Now, Castillo and Molly probably not going to be traded in the division. Frankie Montas would look really good in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a player I would be paying attention to. I thought the Mets, exactly. I still also think that the Mets need an arm. But, Tim, it's blatantly obvious to anybody who watches the New York Mets, they need an impact bat. Not just a bat, but an impact bat. Francisco Lindor has been good, but he has certainly not been what they thought they were getting from Francisco Lindor. You look at Pete Alonso, good home run hitter. Not exactly the guy you want up in that dominant situation. Oh, here we go. You know, everything's on the line. No. You don't exactly want Pete Alonso up there at that point. So they need that impact bat. As far as the Atlanta Braves, again, an arm. 
because of the idea of innings limits. Like Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson, these guys are, you know, they're not confident going forward, or at least the organization isn't confident, the fan base shouldn't be confident with them going into big-time innings and what they're going to have to do. Now, the good thing about the Braves and the Mets and even the Cardinals to an extent, the back end of their bullpen is absolutely stacked. Now, I know that the Mets want to add Robertson. I am very impressed with what the Mets are doing on their, their bullpen. Very impressed with what they could get from Adovino to Smith leading up to Diaz, who is one of the best closers in the game. I'm impressed with St. Louis. I'm impressed with Atlanta. So they're all kind of looking for that arm. Here's the thing. There aren't, like you said, there aren't a lot of secondary arms. Usually, there's those guys. You go, okay, you know what? We're going to miss on Castillo, but we're going to get this guy, this guy. There's not a lot of secondary arms. And I think that the real kind of story beyond the story of the Major League Baseball trading deadline, obviously Soto's out there, obviously Castillo's out there, but it's going to be which one of these teams don't get the arm. Because there's not enough arms to go around. And we're talking about the Yankees, Toronto, Boston, St. Louis, Houston, the Dodgers, San Diego, San Francisco. You know, we're talking about seven, eight teams here, Tim, that absolutely need an arm because of innings limit, and they just don't have it. When I look at Frankie Montes, and it's easy to say, right, Tom, well, if the Yankees want him or the Dodgers want him, they're going to get him. They have the prospects of wealth that they can do that with, and – it would be an easy, you know, Oakland, where do we sign? So if they choose to pass there, though, I could see, like you said, Montes in St. Louis. That makes a lot of sense to me. Atlanta makes a lot of sense to me because they would be the next tiered teams, I think, with with depth in the prospect down, down on the farm that he could slide into. it. And everybody talks about Castillo, and I agree with you 100%. He, if you can get him, get him. But if you get Montes, it's not a bad secondary prize, and I think it's somebody – that, that would help out, like you said, a uh, a younger rotation like Atlanta has, a, a hurt rotation like St. Louis definitely has. And, and that's where I'm looking. You know, the team that I look at being the question mark would be Milwaukee. It's just I just don't see them doing anything here, and I think it bites them in the end. And I know that's a team that you and I both picked here in the postseason. Well, here's the thing with Milwaukee. You know, I don't know if they have to do anything, and here's why. They get Freddie Peralta back in about three weeks, you know, and that's the huge addition. While we just talked about, we just highlighted every team has innings limit worries. Every team has concerns in the starting pitching. Milwaukee will not. Milwaukee's going to have, you know, uh, I mean, barring an injury from here on out, but Milwaukee's going to have probably the best pitcher in baseball, Corbin Burns going number one, Brandon Woodruff, a top 10 pitcher going number two, and they're going to have Freddie Peralta for the playoffs going number three. You know, you have Hater. I know he struggled a little bit, but Devin Williams leading into Hater, best one-two punch in the back end. They're, they don't have to make a move pitching-wise, but they should be making a move hitting-wise. I would love to see a situation where Milwaukee got in on the, the Ian Happ situation. I don't think they will because it's in division, but Ian Happ makes a lot of sense for them. Um, a Brian Reynolds would be just look fantastic in Milwaukee. He would set that, that franchise and put him into a different position. I think that Milwaukee's going to be okay because everything that everyone's looking for, Milwaukee's already set and they already have. And what about the Padres hanging on to a wild card spot right now, Tom? Yeah, and they get Tatis back soon, and everybody thinks that all of a sudden that's going to take them off. Uh, I worry about their pitching. You know, Manea has been solid, 
but he's more of a four than he is like a two or a three. Joe Musgrove has been great, but he's more of a two. I don't know if you want Musgrove number one. And you got you Darvish. Does anybody believe you Darvish is going to be a true number one in the playoffs? I got I got worries with that as well. So their thing isn't we have to go make a move. To me, the Padres are. We just got to hope that our performers perform. Not shy. They're not shy in, in spending money and making moves either, Tom. And, and the, the farm is, is decent there in San Diego as well. Maybe they sneak in and grab a Castillo or a Montes. Yeah, they certainly could. And, you know, I think the, the Mackenzie Gore thing really did hurt them. Um, Mackenzie Gore was going to be sort of their guy. Um, mm-hmm. It was finally time. It was finally time for Mackenzie Gore to kind of step up and be the man there. And he just flat out isn't. <laughs> right? I mean, he's just not that guy. They put him in the bullpen. Uh, that's That's a problem. Then it comes to my final point before we take the time out. Juan Soto, Tom, here we go. We know what the asking price is being. We're talking not one. They want two top prospects to begin talks, right? What's going to happen here? Is he is he still a national after August the 2nd? Yeah, I said it last night, and I'll say it tonight. Um, I'm 80% sure he's gone, Tim. But there is 20% of me that says, uh, maybe not. Maybe not because I don't think that their figures are that astronomically different. Maybe not because this team is for sale. And I think that actually helps the the Nationals to potentially keep Juan Soto. Maybe not. But I am reading the tea leaves here. And I'm reading the tea leaves that teams are going, okay, you know, what kind of offer do you want? And the Nationals right now with 10 days to go or 14 days to go are saying, oh, I want uh, like 80 of your best prospects. And, you know, it's... it's like talking to like the drunk guy in the bar. Like, dude, oh, that's cool. You got a cool, uh, you know, medallion there. What do you want? I want like $1,700 and shovel my driveway for three weeks. Wait, what are you talking about, right? And then eventually it starts to settle down. And I think St. Louis, I think the Yankees, I think the Dodgers, I think everyone's going to start to say, eh, you know what, we're going to pull out. And little by little, they're going to pull out and they're going to go, okay, look, why are we asking for four of their top prospects and two players on their major league team where we can get a really pretty great return. And and I think with Washington, it's not, a, I think they've come to the conclusion, like it's not a matter of them keeping Juan Soto. It's now a matter of, we just don't want to egg on our face for what we sell for him. And that's why they're asking for major league ready talent. The Washington Nationals don't think that they are major league ready to compete. They don't think that they're all of a sudden going to be better than the Mets in Atlanta in that division. They don't. They don't think that suddenly they're going to compete, but they just don't want to look like idiots and go out and go out there and get five, you know, potential stars that none of them turn into a potential star. So you start to look at who can offer potential ready now talent that you know are going to be okay. Well, the Yankees could dangle Glaber Torres, including. Labor Torres, when you're also talking about maybe a Wall to Chuck, maybe a Wells, maybe a, you know a Jason Dominguez. So you take a shot at, at the upside of a ridiculous Jason Dominguez, who might be the next Mike Trout. You take a shot at a good shortstop. You take a shot at a starting pitcher. All these guys, look, that's the makings of a really solid foundation. But you also get Labor Torres that you know is young and you know can perform at the major league level. You look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, same kind of situation. Yeah, Miller will be will be a shot. Oh, he could be a frontline pitcher, and Vargas could be the next big thing. But give us Gavin Lux, because we know at the end of the day, at least Gavin Lux 
is a capable major league player, and he's young with a lot of upside. So I think that that's what they're going to settle on. They're going to settle on teams that can give them ready-now players or at least one or two ready-now players. Um, I know I mentioned, and I harped on it last night, I keep hearing St. Louis, and Chris Wynn just wrote in about don't be surprised about St. Louis. Chris, I talked about it last night, man. I keep hearing from my people in St. Louis, and I have a lot of friends. I was just talking about that baseball. I have a lot of good friends in St. Louis, and they all believe the Cardinals are seriously in on Juan Soto, where they are the team. They certainly have what it takes to do it. You could give them a Tyler O'Neill. You could give them a Harrison Bader, who you know are proven, proven products right then and there, boom. And then you could back that up with a Jordan Walker and whatnot. So, yeah, the Cardinals are certainly in play. A Mason Wynn who throws at 105 miles per hour for a shortstop. You can throw those guys in there. But I still come back to one team and one team only, and that's the New York Mets. And I come back to the Mets because of this, Tim. The Mets need him more than any other team. The Yankees can win a World Series this year without him. The Dodgers can win a World Series this year without him. You know, the Cardinals can can win without him. The Mets might win without him, but the Mets have no identity. The Mets wanted to go out there and make Francisco Lindor the identity of the team with a brand new owner. If you ever watched the show Billions, he thinks he's Bobby Axelrod, right? Or Bobby Axelrod thinks that he's him. He wants to make that giant splash. And he did it by giving $43 million to Scherzer. He did it by going after him. But Scherzer's not the face of the New York Mets. And right now, who is? It's not going to be Lindor. Juan Soto can be. Juan Soto will be absolutely embraced by the Mets fan base. He'll be absolutely embraced by the city of New York. He's exactly what the Mets need, which is a power bat, threatening guy right in the middle of that lineup. Long-term commitment. You make your stake. Here I am. Uncle Stevie's here. And he is exactly what they need, and they can pay him without a problem. I mean, just sell one of his yachts, and he's ready to go. I think that the New York Mets are the team that has to land Juan Soto. But I just don't think that they will because it's in division. So if I'm calling you out on this, Tom, eight days away, what hat, what jersey is Juan Soto wearing next Tuesday? I'm going to say the New York Mets. Mm -hmm. I, I want to say St. Louis in a way. I'm leaning almost to St. Louis. But I'm going to say the New York Mets. I think that I'm 80% convinced he is going to be traded. I think the Mets are going to have to play a, a pay a pretty big premium. I don't even know what a package would look like for the Mets. I mean, Alvarez would go. Um, he's going to lead the package. Maybe a David Peterson, you know, who's had some success here. You put David Peterson in a package. Uh, you you turn around. I, I mean, you put a J.D. Davis in a package. And then, you know, one or two of them. Uh, Brett Batty in a package. Mets are going to have to overpay because they're in division. I just, man, if they weren't in division, they might be 100% sold. I'm going to say the Mets because I'm going to say that Steve Cohen just completely pulls a, a George Steinberg and do, just doesn't let anybody outbid him. Tom Barton says Soto to the Mets before the or on the August 2 trade deadline. So we'll see. We'll talk about it on Tom's return Saturday night, August the 6th, where all these guys are going to land. It's going to be an exciting week here in Major League Baseball. We're going to take our final time out, come back, and talk more baseball. Why not? Aaron Judge, contract looming, continues to pad those numbers. Uh, we'll, update, we'll get an update from Tom on the Judge factor right here after this quick short time out. It's E-Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM.
final segment here on Heatwave Sports Super Sunday Night, leading you into a new week. Back next weekend, of course, here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, and Tom. The uh, text bombarding us here during the break, but I, I have one that's non-baseball related. This is from our good friend Steve Roy, who will be on the show upcoming soon, Tommy, for the fantasy football segment. He wanted to let us know that Barry Horowitz actually has a record of 13 wins and 224 losses, so he actually did win a couple couple wrestling matches. That's why he's tapping himself on the back for those 13 wins. <laughs> Yes, he's uh, taking credit for it. Yes, you're correct. Yes, yes. It's like some of the uh, political people that you fight with online. And, you know, they, they get about, I don't know, a hundred things wrong. And then one thing goes there with it. I told you. <laughs> wait, wait, you got a hundred things wrong. You're, you're the worst person I've ever heard in my life about politics. Well, but I got that one thing right. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me ask you something. Steve Roy is picking number what in our draft? Number two, uh, right? I believe you're correct, yes. I think Steve's picking number two. We know that the number one pick is Ron Natty, right? Uh, legendary Ron Natty, who can throw a complete monkey wrench in this whole thing. I wonder if uh, I, I wonder I wonder if Steve's going, hmm, do I want Jonathan Taylor or do you go with your guy that you just talked about and Justin Herbert? Ah, I'm wondering about that. I'm sitting at three. So I'm trying to figure this thing out. I figure Josh Allen's going one, and then it's either Taylor or Herbert at two. Who am I going to have left at three? Is it going to be Taylor or Herbert? I, th- I think you sit nicely regardless of, of who goes. But or you're Mahomes, right, Ron. Yeah. Because right? even if Ron pulls a Ron and somehow ends up with Aaron Rodgers as the first pick in the draft, you're sitting even better then. Yeah. I, I, I mean, oof. JT is going to be hard to pass up. I lean quarterback, but JT's hard to pass up right there. It's funny because I, I actually am looking at this, and it's one of the first years where I'm like, I either want the first pick in the draft or the 10th pick. Like, yeah. I either want Josh Allen or number 10, and I got number three. And the more more I look at it, the more I go, I'm going to wind up with my choice of either, you know, well, not my choice, but I'm going to wind up with either Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, or, or Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think I'll be fine. We were actually wrong. Steve Roy drafts 10th in this this year's draft. So. Oh, he's got the good position at 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, let's see. Who is he looking at? Maybe a uh, – I think he's looking at a 10. Maybe a Joe Burrow falls to him? I don't yeah. know if he uh, – yeah. Knowing him, I don't know if he goes Burrow that, that number. So, I would assume it's a running back or a receiver at that point for him. Yeah. Maybe maybe an Austin Eckler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey's not going to go that far, but you got to figure before him, McCaffrey's going to be gone. Henry's going to be gone. This is a two quarterback league, by the way. Yeah. McCaffrey's going to be gone. Henry's going to be gone. Uh, you know, you, you look at maybe, maybe he goes like a Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase kind of situation. Yeah. Cook will be gone. Yeah, Cook right? will be gone. Yep. Yeah. When, did, when does Kelsey go? Because every year I'm tempted to take Kelsey in the first round. I've done it a couple of times. There's no way I'm taking him at three, and because because look at how good Andrews is, and now I'm going. I don't even know if I would take him coming back to me in the second round. Hmm. I don't. I don't think he lasts that long. But I, I think 
where where you're drafting on on a on a sweep back the other way, it's good value. I you know I just look at Kelsey this year and I go, you look at Travis Kelsey and he's 33 years old, doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore. I still think he's going to be great, but I think that Kyle Pitts could have a season very comparable. I think Mark Andrews could have a season very comparable. If George Kittle stays healthy, he'll have a season very comparable. Maybe Darren Waller. I think there's top, a five top tight end kind of grouping. And I, I don't know if it's the year to kind of reach for Travis Kelsey. We'll be able to pick his brain a little bit, Tommy, when the fantasy football segment comes up in a couple weeks before our draft. So we'll kind of see where he's leaning. Yeah, going to be uh, going to be interesting. Every year I think I'm going to get some information out of him that I can use in the draft. Every year he bombards us with so much good stuff. That I go, well, he just knows what he's talking about. I didn't get anything from him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't lean one way or another on that one, did he? No. Yeah. So the the uh, the court court was in session again today, Tom. In Baltimore, Aaron Judge hit number thirty-seven in a win for the Yanks. He's now at two ninety-four, thirty-seven homers, eighty-one ribbies, on pace for sixty home runs and one hundred thirty RBIs. And yet the talk out of New York is that the the two sides are not close, that Judge is trying to stand firm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Judge is standing firm. And he thinks he's a $36 million guy, and the Yankees would be willing to go to about 32 and a half, which is a big difference there. Is, is this the same thing you're hearing? Am I, am I, have, do I have information wrong here? Are the Yankees willing to pay a little bit more? Because I don't think Judge is going to back down from where he wants to be. No, and I think the Yankees are going to pay it. Look, the, the, the Yankees, Aaron Judge asked for nine years, $36 million. Um, I think the price has gone up. I think he's going to ask for nine years, $40 million, maybe 10 years, $40 million. I think that that's what he's going to go for. I think New York was really not, a, I don't think that they had a problem paying $36 million. I really don't, especially when you look at their structure. Look, they're going to lose a role to Chapman after this year. He's $21 million, right? I mean, they're going to lose... Um, Donaldson in, in two years, he's $23 million. I mean, I don't think the money is really the issue here, Tim. And it sounds funny to say, I think it's giving nine years to a 30 year old that had multiple injuries back to back, two injured seasons. Oh, really three injured seasons back to back to back. Aaron Jones could not stay healthy. And you're going to give a nine year deal to a guy that it would be 39 years old at the end of the contract. You know, I don't know about that. And I don't think they're moving off that number. I don't think now all of a sudden Aaron Judge is going to be 31 and they're going to give him a nine-year deal. You know, I just I can't see him them going out there and saying, we're into Stanton and Judge. If they didn't have Stanton, it would be different because then you go, okay, Judge will just be a DH. We can't have Stanton and Judge playing at 35, 36, 37, 38, 39 years old and, and one of them playing just a bad outfield or broken down outfield. I think that that's the way that the Yankees are looking at it. I don't think the 36 ever was a problem. So I expect something to get done for Aaron Judge that looks like this. Seven years, club option of eight years, $42 million. They'll overpay, you know, for the per year basis. They'll overpay, but they're not going to give him nine years. I just don't think they're ever going to do it. And I'll tell you what. I don't think the Dodgers are going to go nine years either. And that's kind of the only other team. I don't think the Mets are going to go nine years. So there's only two or three teams that can afford Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Judge, I'm sorry. No one's going to give him nine years. I think Judge, look, he overshot it, Tim. And it has nothing to do 
with anything more than his age. You know, you could say, well, look at, you know, Tatis got this contract. Yeah, they all did. And Harper got in there. None of them were 30 years old. And you you just have to be a realist when you're Aaron Judge and say, you know, how old are you, Aaron Judge? You're, you're, you know, you're 30 years old. You're going to turn 40 basically in the first month of the season next year. I mean, uh, 31 in the first month of the season next year. Which means if you're asking for a nine-year deal, you're asking to be paid until you're 40 years old. It just does not work out well for anybody to pay that. With that being said, I do honestly believe that the New York Yankees are going to get something done. I, it might be after the season. I think that they can't let him walk. Not after this year. Not after what the fan base is, is, has just been dragging this this front office through for a while. I think they get it done, but I think it looks way more like seven years 42 than nine years 36. What if, and I know you don't want to hear this, Tom, but what if next week Juan Soto's a Yankee, then, it, then it's done, it's over? Yeah, then Aaron Judge is gone. Yeah. Why and, would you do Aaron that Judge, in the middle of a pinch, in, the, in the middle of the summer of a season where you're going for the World Series? Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I said I don't want Juan Soto. And last year, uh, last night, um, Jose Volante disagreed with me. He's a Yankee fan, and I, I put out my video at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube, and quite a few people disagreed with me um, that they want Juan Soto, and they, oh well, you know, in ten years, you know what? I don't care about ten years. I'll tell you right now, Tim. I want Aaron Judge for the next three years more than I want Juan Soto for the next three years. I'm sorry, I do. Culture means something. Personality means something. Fan commitment means something. And I think he's right now a better player. In 10 years from now, I'll regret saying that. But I don't care about 10 years from now. I want to win right now. I want to win during a year where the New York Yankees had 64 wins going into the All-Star break. I want to win in a year where Aaron Judge is on pace to set the all-time home run record. Yeah, and that is... By the way, still Roger Maris's. I want to win in that year. I don't. I don't care about ten years down the road. I certainly don't care about fifteen years down the road. It doesn't matter to me. I want to win now. And to me, Aaron Judge for the next three years is a better player or very comparable to Juan Soto. Oh, it's going to be a interesting week. I mean, a lot of things fall into place next week and and the future after that. We got about five minutes, Tom. I did want to touch on the MLB draft. I know this is uh, the nerd segment of the show, but look, we're talking about guys we're going to be talking about, hopefully, right, Tommy, in, in the next five to six years. So uh, I enjoyed the draft myself. I, I didn't necessarily watch every, every pick, but I watched the, the most of the first round, and uh, there's a lot of quality talent, a lot of lineage there, uh, family lineage in this draft. Yeah, there definitely was. I did watch the whole thing. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I liked to... Uh... I liked what, what the O's did, and I know <laughs> there was a lot of controversy behind it. I liked what the Orioles did. I think Holiday was great, um, uh, you know, son of Matt Holiday. I, I like what they did. Drew Jones is going to be a star. We know that. Mm-hmm. He went number two to Arizona. Kumar Rocca going three. Man, they better get this right, Texas. I do like that he's with Whiter, but you better get this right because that was a weird one. Tamara Johnson – who many told me that he was the best player in the draft. He goes to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh drafts really well and develops pretty well. They just can't keep him. Elijah Green is my pick to be the best player in this draft out of the, from the Washington Nationals. He went five. So they went real deep. Then he got buried in Miami. Brooks Lee. Brooks Lee was in play for number one overall. Kansas City gets Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech. He was, before the season, people were talking about him being kind of like the, the Bobby Witt. And you're going, wow, this is a really deep draft. So, uh, you know, even getting down to uh, 
into the teens. And I know Los Angeles got uh, your team, the Angels got Zach Nito, uh, the shortstop from Campbell. Yeah, I know we know we went to Campbell, but I like that pick. That was good. I love Spencer Jones to the Yankees. Uh, I told you that that's who they were going to pick. If you remember, we did uh, have that conversation. I said the Yankees are going to take that kid uh, from uh, Vanderbilt, six foot seven. They think he's a left-handed, you know, Aaron Judge. And a guy like Cole Young out of Seattle all the way down into the 20s. I like that one, too. Enjoyable chat for sure. And remember the Kumar Rocker situation, Tom. Draftees need to be signed by August the 1st. So that Monday you have the, the uh, draft deadline, signings. Then Tuesday you have the trade deadline. So Jackson Holiday already inked. He's an Oriole. I believe Drew Jones will be inked coming up here in the next couple of days. Kumar Rocker, Tom, could pitch – Theoretically, he, he could pitch the end of the end of the year here in Texas. He's that ready to go. And I think you saw the, the younger kids, like you said, the the Holiday Jones, Johnson Green, the, the high schoolers, all all solid. And then it was college guys the rest of the way. So I was with you. I was very deep, very, very um, pleased with a lot of these teams and who, who they got going where. I like Barry a lot, too. That was a guy, if it wasn't going to be Jones or Holiday for Baltimore, I, I was eyeballing Jacob Barry which uh, the outfielder out of LSU, I think he'll do fine in Miami. Yeah, he went all the way down to seven. Miami's building a, a nice, interesting team. You saw uh, J.J. Bulladay came up today, got his first major league hit as well. So uh, it, it, they have a good core down there in Miami. It, it's just kind of getting them all together. Look, they got Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez is on the way up. Max Mayer made his debut uh, this week. J.J. Bulladay made his re- 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 debut. Khalil Watson, now they picked this guy. They got some talent, Miami. I'll tell you that. Lopez too, for that rotation. They're they're. If Mattingly's not here to see it, that's going to be unfortunate because he's going to have a hell of a team here in the next two years. He's not going to be here to see it because you know what's going to happen to him. The New York Yankees are going to squander away their opportunity to win a championship this year. Aaron Boone's going to be fired, and the Yankees are going to do something right and bring Don Mattingly to town. Well, you're okay with that then. I love it. <laughs> All right, Tom, let everybody know about all the things you're doing. Uh, so many, so many things, great things going on with Tom Barton and Tom Barton Sports. I told everybody last night, guys, TomBartonSports.com, I feel like I'm going on a heater. I put five games up. Tim, I never put five games up. I really do, like three or four times a year maybe put five games up. Five games up today. I went four and one. Absolutely crushed it. A couple of level three plays as well. Go check out TomBartonSports.com, guys. TomBartonSports.com to get 30 days of place for under $100. Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. Go check out the podcast, Wagering Week. Believe in betting as well as believe in the Ivy League. Thank you very much, everybody. Tommy, have a good week off, man. You deserve it, my friend. Thank you. Have a good one, Tim. For Tom Barton and TomBartonSports.com. For Mateo, awesome job as always. I'm Tim Unglesby. Have a great sports week. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM.